Take out your Bibles with me and turn to Luke chapter 17. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithful giving. The summer months for churches, are, I'll tell you, they're the dog days of summer. They're tough. And thank you for standing beside the work of the Lord and being found faithful to God's work here at Lakeside and around the world. Amen. We're preaching through the Gospel of Luke. We're preaching chapter by chapter by chapter. What is in chapter 17? What is in chapter 17? Turn there in your Bibles. Uh, please take out a sermon study guide. I, I have these sermon study guide notes where you can fill in the blank and follow along with me if you like. If you don't like that, then don't do it. Amen. And just, just sit back a, a, and listen, but engage with your spirit this morning to hear what the Lord is saying to his church. And as you can see up here, I didn't want to, you to have to look at garbage throughout the whole praise and worship. I kept turning the, you know I kept turning that can around, and they just kept turning it. And uh, you can see that, uh, Pastor, as I was writing my, my sermon over the weekend, I got inspired. And I kept, as I was writing it, I kept thinking, this would make a great illustrated message. This would make it. So it turned into an illustrated message. And uh, I want to thank Linda Beringer for helping me out so much. I mean, some pretty yucky stuff had to be gathered together by Linda Beringer. You can't thank her enough uh, for uh, making this possible. And we want to thank Edify, our young adult ministry. And they're going to be helping me this morning. You're going to see them helping me. And we appreciate them so much. Hey, before I begin preaching, I hope you'll join us tonight. 5.30 Stony Creek. It's going to be awesome. So I hope you'll, you'll, you'll join us this evening. I need to make a, comp a confession. I need to make a confession. Boy, I've never gotten your attention. <laughs> when I was a teenager... I had a problem that many of you all also had. I had a zit problem. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I mean, how many of you, how many of you, you would not want to go back to have those problems again? I mean, you know, we talk about looking back and, oh, we wish, you know, the youth is wasted on the young. I don't know about you, but I don't miss those years at all. Junior high, the early years of high school, I had an acne, pimple, zit problem. I mean, it was bad. At least I thought it was bad. And, and anybody knows me, I have this little perfectionist problem in my life that I constantly ask God to give me victory over, a little OCD, yeah. And uh, it manifested itself greatly when I was a young person. And uh, my dad was constantly complaining and getting on my case because I was always late for school. I'd always miss the bus. And he would have to drive me to school. The reason was, the reason was, was my pimple problem. See, my mom began noticing that her expensive, expensive, expensive makeup case was constantly being broken into, and her makeup was being stolen. And I was taking time 
to put her makeup on to cover my blemishes. And nobody knew that I, she kept asking, who's taking my makeup? My sister got blamed so much, and I just sat back quiet. I would miss class, I would be tardy to class over and over again because I'd be waiting in the boys' restroom for all the smokers to get out. Back in my day, boy, they smoked in the boys' restroom. You know, how many remember the song by, uh, you know, uh, uh, Cooper, uh, uh, Smoking in the Boys' Room? Yeah, yeah, and they did, and I'd wait for those smokers to leave because I didn't want to see, have any of the guys see me putting women's makeup on. And then Dad found out. Dad found out that I was the one, not my sister, that I was the one breaking into my mother's makeup case, that I was the one that was constantly putting women's makeup uh, on me. And he sat down with me, and he got really concerned. He thought I had serious tendencies. <laughs> no, I was a man's man, I, but I was a perfectionist uh, with it. Sure. But my skin problem in no way Compared to the skin problem, 10 guys have in Luke chapter 17. What's their skin problem? Luke 17 verse 11, And it came to pass as Jesus went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were what? Lepers which stood afar off. What can we say about leprosy? There was no disease in the ancient world that held more nightmares than leprosy. You literally would saw, see, and notice your face become increasingly disfigured, your body disfigured. You'd watch your body fall piecemeal apart into the grave. You were a walking horror. You were the walking dead, a monster. According to the Levitical law, you would have to hold your hand over your lip and you would have to cry out constantly, unclean, 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 to warn people away from you. What would that do to your spirit if day by day, 24-7, you confessed out of your mouth that you were defiled, that you were unclean? What would that do to you emotionally? If you were a leper... You are quarantined from family and friends. You are quarantined from all people. You are even quarantined from the church, the synagogue, the house of God, from God's presence. Leprosy was more than a physical condition. It was an emotional, spiritual, relational disfigurement. Now you understand the need of these ten lepers who cry out to Jesus in Luke 17. Look at verse 13. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when Jesus saw them, He said to them, Go! Jesus always wants you moving forward, not backward. Show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass, as they moved forward, as they followed through with the command of Jesus, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, 
Were there not ten? Ten? Cleansed? Where are the nine? There are not found those that would return and give glory to God except this stranger. And he said to the Samaritan, the one, arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee, what? This is a key word, key word here. Made thee what? Whole. We have a mystery here in Scripture. Do you like to be a Bible detective? I do. We have a mystery here in Scripture. I want you to be a Bible detective. Here it's the mystery. Where are the nine to return and give thanks to Jesus? Even Jesus noticed it. What about the other nine Samaritans that received a miracle that were healed? Why only one to return and give thanks? And God notices either our gratitude or our ingratitude. God notices when we're thankful and when we're not thankful and we withhold it. Jesus took notice. Where were the other nine? My answer to that deep mystery question is this. There's a difference between being healed, merely being healed, and being made whole. Nine, nine, nine were healed. But one was healed and made whole. The ability to truly give thanks, the ability to truly press in and praise the Lord and worship Him is the ability to be other-centered instead of being self-absorbed. I submit to you the strong implication here to solve this mystery. The other nine, the other nine had lived so long with a physical discernment or disfigurement, a physical disfigurement, that the healing that they received, they only received it for the physical instead of allowing it to go to the spiritual. I submit to you that these who received a healing in the physical didn't allow it to move all the way to their heart. And they were still disfigured emotionally and spiritually, except for one who allowed the healing not only to become physical, but also become mental, emotional, relational, and most of all, spiritual. Let me bring it home. Every Sunday we have people that come in the pews. They're born again. They're saved from their sins. They are Christians that have been saved from certain hell. They are believers who have been made right with God. They are healed. But they're not whole. Christians who are saved, but not whole. They are still bound up with the poison from the past. God has pronounced them from heaven's perspective. They're born again. But they walk and talk as though they're still disfigured spiritual lepers. 
healed, but not made whole. I've got a word from the Lord this morning. And I don't say that casually. God has dropped a word in your pastor's spirit for so many that are populating our pews. This morning, this Sunday, in, in this service, you're healed. You're in the kingdom. You're on the way to heaven. You're saved. You're born again. You're healed, but you're not made whole. You're not experiencing, you're not enjoying the abundant life, love, joy, peace. You're not walking with a God confidence. You're not living in, in, in victory. You're not enjoying all that God has for you. Healed, but not whole. Lord dropped a title in my spirit. Why are so many Christians healed but not whole? Because, here's the title, they are baggage draggers. Pray with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask, O oh Lord, that this will not be a casual word. We ask, O oh God, that we would perk our ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us today. In the name of Jesus, help us to bear down in this hour, at this moment, to hear what the Lord saith. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you're following along with me, fill in the blank. Uh, this morning. You know, I'm convinced the reason many Christians are not happy. I'm convinced the reason many Christians are not experiencing real joy, victory, and the abundant life is because they're garbage collectors. They're garbage collectors. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about. I, I want to introduce you to a young man. Uh, we'll call him this morning, for the lack of a better name, we'll call him Christian. Because he represents all of us who are Christians. I'm speaking to Christians this morning primarily. Christian, like I said, could be any one of us. Sure, Christian is saved. He's born again. He, he's on his way to heaven. But by his attitude, by his actions, you wouldn't know it. You, you see, Christian consistently... Constantly, he visits the garbage can of his own life. He's constantly reliving and rehearsing the garbage of his past. I'm talking about past failings, past mistakes, past regrets, past guilt, past sins that the Lord has already cleansed him from, that the Lord has already forgiven him from. Oh, as Christian looks in the garbage can of his past, he begins to pull out and relive memories from the past. Let's see what kind of stuff he's pulling out of the garbage can of his life. What does he have here? It's an old, smelly, now it's a moldy sock. It represents for us this morning the guilt and the regrets of life. You know, there's mild regret, like, I wish I'd gone back to school. I, I wish I'd gotten a better career. 
I, I wish I'd been wiser with my financial investments. But then there's some heavy, heavier regrets, aren't there? Like, I wish I'd been a better parent. Uh, I, I wish I'd never gotten addicted, and, and now I'm hooked. Uh, I would have never have imagined myself to be guilty of an adulterous affair, but I did. How could I have been so foolish? What else does Christian find in the garbage can of his past? Uh, uh, here, he's found a broken uh, racket from racquetball. It represents our, our, our failures. Failing in school. Failing in your career. Failing in your business. Failing to, to keep your word. Failing to keep your cool uh, when you've lost your temper. Failing uh, uh, at saying things that you shouldn't. Failing to love your family uh, the way you should. Failing to be faithful to God. Now as he looks in the garbage can, oh, Oh, he almost cuts himself. Look, look at those sharp edges of what he's, he's bringing out. Look at what he's taking out here. What is this? It's a broken wedding picture. It represents the painful memories of his past. I can't tell you how many Christians that I counsel that never get over the grieving the mourning of the loss of a loved one over the death of a marriage, the death of a family. It might have happened 30 years ago, but they're still grieving. And then you'll notice that uh, as he looks through the garbage can, you'll notice that he finds another thing that's sharp that he could cut himself up on. What is this? What is this? Come on, church. What is this? It's a mirror, and it's broken. How many of you remember going to the carnival when you were a kid, and there was this place called the House of Mirrors? And there were mirrors that you'd look at them and look into them, mirrors that would make you really tall and skinny, and then mirrors that would make you look really short and can you imagine if you brought home one of those mirrors and if that's all you looked at if that's all that you saw all your life yourself as tall and skinny or short and fat how would that affect you mentally and emotionally how would you see yourself who are the mirrors in our life whether you know it consciously or unconsciously, you've been brought up with mirrors. Your family and friends were the greatest mirrors in your life. You were brought up with mirrors that told you you can make it. You're the best thing going. You're good looking. You're going to be a success. Or you were brought up with mirrors that were constantly cutting you down, demeaning you, criticizing you, you were brought up with mirrors that, that told you, you're a jerk, you're a dummy, you're stupid. We wish that we never had you. You'll never amount to anything. If you were brought up with those kinds of mirrors, 
undoubtedly we're brought up with a terrible and a lousy, poor self-image. You've got a choice to keep looking at that mirror. Christian keeps looking at that mirror. He keeps reliving it. He keeps rehearsing it. Then let's see what else he finds in that garbage can. Oh, what do we've got here? Oh, man. Oh, it start, things are starting to smell. We've got some rotten fruit, a banana. Represents the sour, distasteful, the bitter memories of life. Bitter memories of how so-called family, friends, loved ones betrayed you, hurt you, rejected you, belittled you, offended you. What next does he find? Oh, here's a wilted, wilted flowers. What garbage from the past do these wilted flowers represent? Often when a terrible Ill illness, a tragedy, or even death strikes a loved one, a family member, even Christians, Christians can harbor resentments. Resentments towards who? Yeah, God. God. Just recently, your pastor had to deal with this. Pastor, how could God let my loved one get sick and die? Why wasn't there a miracle? And even though intellectually, even though consciously, we know it's not right to harbor anger towards God, and God knows all things, and His ways are higher than our ways, and the heavens are above the earth unconsciously, deep down there can be deep-seated anger, even towards God. And I want you to know it's garbage. It's garbage. It's stinky, smelly garbage. And what else does he find in here? What has he got? What is he pulling out? Oh, look at here. It's an old jar of mayonnaise that's been left outside in the sun. Does anybody know what the inside of a jar of mayonnaise that's been left out in the sun smells like? And this stuff is so messy, he's gotten it all over his hands. And now he wipes it on his shirt and his pants. Can you, can you imagine the smell? I mean, you're talking about a rotten egg smell. Nothing stinks like rotten mayo. Yeah. Rotten mayo, to me, represents an unforgiving spirit. An unforgiving spirit. When you choose to withhold forgiveness from others, even withholding forgiveness of yourself, maybe even God, when you choose to resent instead of release, nothing stinks before God like an unforgiving spirit. Oh, there could be so much more. Look at what else he found in the garbage can. A rotten, smelly fish. Sure. And then as he reaches deep down into the can there's nothing that stinks young parents will tell you this like a stinky dirty smelling ripe diaper and all the young parents would say oh my 
All the grandparents would say, <laughs> I've walked around our house after the kids have all been there, and I'll ask my wife, what's that smell? What's that smell? <laughs> and somebody has left a stinky diaper in a garbage can. Yeah, sure. Okay. Dirty diapers, rotten fish, old mayonnaise jars. What does all this garbage collecting add up to? It adds up to stinking thinking. And stinking thinking leads to stinking talking. Stinking talking leads to stinky, smelly attitudes and behavior. There it is. Attitudes that cause people to be critical, negative, depressing, bitter. Again, I'm talking about stinking attitudes. Now, write it down. All this garbage that we've just observed, I, I want you to be aware, it's in Christians' past. It's garbage that's been forgiven. It's garbage that's been healed. It's garbage that's already been delivered in his life by God. But for Christian, it's alive and well. Again, he's healed, but he's not whole. In the old days in the church, we would say that his garbage is under the blood. There you go. Yeah. But Christian keeps going back to the garbage can of his life. And he keeps reliving it. He keeps rehearsing it. For him, it's as though it just happened. And in fact, Christian is not content with, with keeping it in the garbage can of his life. He wants to put it in a bag and, and bring it around with him. He wants to cling to it. He wants to embrace it. He wants to drag it around. You see, our Christian here is not only a garbage collector, Christian is a baggage dragger. Do you know any baggage dragging people in your sphere of influence? That's what Christian is all about. Make sure you get it all in the bag. <laughs> Write it down with me. Write it down with me, if you would. After we read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Hebrews 12, 1 says, Let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. Let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. Do you see God's word here? God's word is clear. We're all in a race of faith. God has called you and I to be a faithful witness at home as a parent or as a spouse or as a child. God's called you to be a faithful witness at school, at work. God has called you to be a faithful minister and witness at church, to be involved in ministry, loving other people, impacting lives, revealing the love of Jesus to everyone, to be a light in darkness. It's God's will for you to be a champion in the race of faith. Every single one of us, note, note it in the Scripture, you've been given a race to run. Your race is different from my race. And we've all, though, been called to be faithful. 
We've all been called to fight the good fight of faith. We've all been called to, to finish our course and to finish strong. We've all been called to keep the faith and remain faithful. But if you're baggage dragging, let me tell you, you won't be able to do this. You won't be able to finish strong. God hasn't called you to be a sprinter. God's called you, Christian, to be a marathon runner and to keep running and keep running and keep running. You can't do that if you're dragging a bag of garbage around. You can't do that if you're clinging to the garbage of your past. You, you can't do it if you're a baggage dragger. Write it down. Baggage draggers who keep reliving and rehearsing their past uh, garbage not only stink up their lives with smelly attitudes, but they make the atmosphere of all their relationships smell, stink, reek. Here, Christian, Christian wants some friendship. Christian wants to have some friends. He wants to have some fellowship. He wants to hang out with some people. But because he's a baggage dragger, it doesn't take long before he starts pulling out the smelly stuff of his past. Do you know of anybody that anytime you get with them, they talk about their problems from the past? They talk about the stinky stuff from the past. They have to rehearse all the, the weal, the woe, the bad times, the problem times. They have to talk about the people that hurt them, the people that have offended them. They talk about the guilts, the regrets, the disappointments, the discouragements, all of the disillusionment of the past. They talk about the people that have so offended them, and so they spend their time criticizing people of the past, people of the present. They stink everything up. And you know, I want you to see here that these two on the park bench, they begin not only smelling how bad the stuff in his bag is, they begin noticing how bad he smells. When you carry a baggage of garbage around all the time, not only will your past memories smell, you begin smelling. Because you will take on what you're rehearsing. You will take on what you're reliving. You will take on the smell of what you choose to remember and hold on to. Garbage collecting. Baggage dragging. It ruins relationships. Hebrews 12, 15, the Bible says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no what? Bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile not just one, but defile many. If you don't take care of the garbage collecting in your life, if you don't take care of the baggage dragging in your life, you're going to ruin your relationships. You'll ruin many. Sure. Now, I counsel people that all the time, they try to take care of the symptoms, but not the problem. They address, they address the fruit, but not the root. Until you get to the root problem, you can only control your anger, 
only so long. You can only control uh, your critical spirit only so long. Oh, yeah, you can go to behavior modification. You can go and read a self-help book. But until you get to the root, you'll never heal the fruit. That's what it's all about. The root for so many is dragging past garbage into the present. Fill in the blank with me. Fill in the blank with me. These two, they, they just can't handle it any longer. They can't handle the smell. So what do they do? Oh, man. It's no wonder that baggage draggers are the most lonely people on the planet. Nobody can stand being around them. Fill in the blank with me. One of the greatest reasons so many homes today are dysfunctional. The reason so many marriages and families are beaten up emotionally and, and sometimes even physically is because of baggage dragging. Were you aware of that? Oh, yeah. That's right. So many that I counsel when it comes to marital counseling, family counseling, when we are hearing about bitter fruit, bitter fruit is the result of a bitter root. And that root is the fact that somebody in a marriage, one spouse or the other, is holding on to the past and keeps rehearsing the past, keeps bringing up past mistakes, past failings, either in their life or the lives of others, and rehearsing it in their home, rehearsing it in their marriage. You know, I wonder, I wonder what kind of marriage our Christian has. Here's his loving Christian wife. Oh, she attends Lakeside. She comes here and she tries her best to be a good wife and be a good Christian mother. Let's see what kind of marriage that Christian has. Uh, here he comes, coming home from the office, and more than carrying, more than carrying a briefcase, more than carrying a lunchbox or, or a toolkit, he comes home dragging his what? He's dragging his garbage. He's dragged it to work. He can't wonder why people don't want to work with him, and now he drags it home. And the first thing he does when he comes in through the door. What have you been doing all day? What's wrong with you? Why isn't this house clean? Can't you do a better job? What kind of a wife are you anyway? What did I, why did I marry you? What kind of a mother are you? Come on, can't you get it together? What's your problem? He not only yells at her, he not only threatens her, but then he takes his garbage and beats her with it. How many are beaten up emotionally? How many are beaten up physically? With the garbage of the past. This is Christian. Christian. 
because so many spouses today, so many parents today, so many, sad to say, Christians today are garbage collectors, baggage draggers. They not only drag the garbage of the past home with them, they even hurt their spouses, their children, and their loved ones with it. Why do they do this? Well, let me ask, answer it with a question. How many have ever, ever, on TV, ever watched, maybe it's an old Western movie, ever watched a bullfight? Of course, you would never go to one in Mexico. God forbid. How many know what I'm talking about? A bullfight. Okay? Sure. Sure. Uh, the bullfight begins with cowboys coming in on, on horses and throwing darts at the bull. They hit him in the neck to enrage him, to stoke his anger. And, and so when the, the guy in the real tight pants, you know, the, the guy wearing the prissy, sissy pants comes in, okay, the matador comes walking in with the red cape, the bull, I mean, he's hot, he's mad, and that bull begins to charge what? The red cape. I'm constantly yelling at the TV anytime I see a bullfight. Charge the matador, not the red cape. Get the guy in the prissy, sissy, tight pants. A bullfight, a bull charging a red cape is a perfect illustration of misguided, misdirected anger. When I am counseling problem couples, over and over and over again, I find that the fruit is the direct result of the root of him or her being angry over past problems. And their anger over the past is being misguided upon the spouse and upon the children. If he is all torn up inside because he feels like he's a failure at, at his career, his education, his work, who does he take it out on? He'll kick the dog on the way in and yell at the wife and the kids and beat them up emotionally, and sad to say some physically, over the garbage of his or her past. It's misdirected. It's misguided anger because the garbage collector, the baggage dragger, can't get over their past. And it's not just a man problem. Uh, there's so many women I've counseled who have been mistreated by a man in their past. And in their next man relationship, they take it out on him. Subconsciously, he owes the present man owes her for what she dealt with from men in the past. When somebody hurts us, we feel like they owe us. You owe me an apology. We feel that they should pay for the pain that we've suffered. That's what happens when you're a garbage collector. That's what happens when you're trapped by the poison of your past. Do you see how that works? You're always trying to collect those debts. You'll take it out on other people even though they weren't even involved. Paul the Apostle says in Colossians 3.13, Paul says, Forgive as the Lord 
forgave you. You see, only God can pay that debt. Other people can't. You shouldn't drag something uh, out that happened in the past into your relationships today. Stop. Stop. I implore you. Stop punishing your, your spouse, your kids, your friends, your co-workers for something that happened to you when you were growing up. In the name of Jesus, turn it over to God. Oh, write it down with me if you would. Yet the worst thing, the worst thing about being a baggage dragger, the worst thing about being a garbage collector is how it opens up your life to satanic attack. Oh, yes. If you're a baggage dragger, I mean it's open hunting season in your life, Christian, for the work of the enemy. And what does the enemy like to do? Oh, when he sees a garbage bag, what does he like to do? Oh, yeah. And so many times, we Christians don't even know it's happening. You see, the enemy is well aware. The enemy is well aware that once you commit your life to Jesus Christ, nothing can remove you from the hand of God. The enemy cannot force you and I. He cannot trap you and I. The enemy cannot victimize you and I and pull us out of the hand of God. But the enemy can paralyze us, neutralize us, so we're no longer effective in running the race. We're no longer effective in walking the walk. We're dragging our baggage. We're dragging our poison, our burden that the enemy has put upon us. We can no longer be a Christian soldier of the cross. We can no longer be a champion of the faith. We no longer run the race that's been set before us. No, we go at a snail's pace. We have been neutralized. We've been nullified. We have been negated in our fight of the good fight of the faith. This is the strategy of old Slewfoot, the enemy of your soul and my soul. He desires to weigh us down with the garbage of our past and anchor us in a miserable, mundane, mediocre Christianity so we're no threat to His kingdom. So I ask you as you write it down, what hope, what hope do we have with the garbage of the past? What hope do we have with the enemy's attacks uh, in the present? You may have made some mistakes, but I want you to know Jesus is still in the cleansing, forgiving, healing, grace-giving business. Glory to God. Yes. Yes. I want to give you a prescription for the garbage collecting and the baggage dragging that we all, all of us, pastor and parishioner, we all can struggle with. Let me give you a prescription right now, straight from the Word of God. Number one, Jesus is a specialist with your failures, your mistakes, your sins. Remember, He's your only Savior. I thank God 
for wives and husbands who have a listening ear. I thank God for the pastors that He has called forth to be a listening ear. I thank God for Christian psychologists, Christian psychiatrists. They have a place. They have a time. But I want to remind you, there's only one who died upon the cross for your sins. There's only one who shed His blood. There's only one who rose from the grave shouting glory as He sat down at the throne of God. There's only one that's your Savior, and His name is Jesus. Never forget that. And He's a specialist when it comes to cleansing lives and setting them free from the poison of the past. Number two, did you really mess up? At one time in your life, did you really fall into sin? And even today, even though it was 20 years yesterday, today you're still beating yourself up even after repenting? Then this morning, go to Jesus. Receive His grace and forget about it. He has. I said He has. The Bible, the Bible teaches that when we repent, when we confess our sins to the Lord, that God puts our sins into the ocean, the sea of His forgetfulness. And our sins are remembered against us no more. I like, I like what the author of uh, the book, The Hiding Place, what was her name again? Corey Tenboom. Corey Tenboom wrote this that so many Christians often go back to the sea of forgetfulness to go fish up, go fishing and fish up past sins, past hurts, past offenses, past things that have been forgiven. And she said, they need to know that God has posted a sign at his sea of forgetfulness no fishing allowed you hear me in that if god's forgiven if god's forgotten then you need to forgive yourself and you need to forget about it in the name of jesus and you need to stand upon the word of god that declares in second corinthians 5 17 if anyone is in christ the new creation has come the old has gone the new is here live in the new Walk in the new. Be the new in the name of Jesus. Paul the Apostle said in Philippians chapter 3, one thing I do. And you need to do it as well. Forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for you this morning. God's will is not for you to be living in the rearview mirror of life and constantly looking backward. God's word to you this morning, His will for your life and my life, is to move forward, move forward, move forward, press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. No looking back. No turning back. You can't relive the past anyway. If God is forgiven, if God is forgotten, you forgive yourself and you forget about it and move forward. Number three, forgive all those who hurt you in the past. I want to remind you, only you can walk out of the emotional bondage of which you've been living. Nobody can do it for you. 
You must rise up out of the ashes and the broken, shattered dreams of your life. Nobody else can do it for you. You must forgive those who hurt you. Others cannot do that for you. Forgiveness, I remind you, is not just for the one who has hurt you. Forgiveness does not condone their injustice that they perpetrated upon you. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness cleanses you. Forgiveness heals you. Forgiveness sets you free from the toxic poison of the past. Hallelujah. You're forgiving to bring cleansing to you. Maybe you can't forget, but you have a choice to remember with release instead of remembering with resentment. Number four. So God's word to baggage draggers this morning is this. Let it go. What failure, what hurt, what sin from the past keeps slowing you down, dragging you down? None of us can go back in time, but we can stop reliving and rehearsing the past, our past failings, our past sins. Remember, God's bigger than your past. God's bigger than your hurts. God is bigger than all of your guilt. Hallelujah. That's why we sing amazing grace. And if God has forgiven, if God has forgotten it, in the name of Jesus, loose yourself from that bag of garbage. Loose yourself from the past and let it go in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Your situation won't change until you put your foot down and say, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be a prisoner of my past. Any longer, I'm going to get rid of this baggage. I'm going to stop focusing on my disappointments. I'm going to quit dwelling on my failures. I'm done with dragging around this bowling ball of baggage that Satan has put on me. I'm not going to be defined by my mistakes. I'm, my new identity is who I am and whose I am in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I am a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become brand new. <laughs> Lastly, determined to put on a fresh, new attitude every morning. The Bible says that God's mercies are new every morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Without His mercy, there would be no hope. So every morning, forgive the people that have hurt you. Every morning, let go of your disappointments and your regrets. Every morning, receive God's mercy and His forgiveness for the mistakes that you've made. Every morning, thank God He's on the throne and everything's going to be all right. For this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and we will be glad in it. Hallelujah. Every morning, you have a choice to live the past or say, this is a brand new day. And I move forward in it in God's grace. His amazing grace. Honey, sir, ma'am, isn't it time you let go of that baggage? Is it a time you quit dragging that around and beating up your loved ones with it? 
Is it a time you let Jesus not only heal you, but make you whole? This is Christian's only hope to let go of his baggage dragging and give his garbage of guilt, regret, failure, sin, to give it all to Jesus. Isn't it time to give it to Jesus? Lord, am I missed by you? Lord, am I Stand with me right now. Sing it with Cindy. Amen. Hallelujah. condemns no one. He says, I have not come into the world to condemn, but to save. Hallelujah. We're going to sing that again. And we don't always do this, but I feel led. I was going to close the service completely different. The Lord just spoke to me in that pew and told me what to do. As we sing this, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to invite you to come down here to the front and join me right down here in the front. Fill up the altar, fill up the aisleways. I'm going to ask you all to come right now as we close this service. Come, come. Come from the balcony. Come from the main floor. Sing it out, amen. 